Have you just graduated as a recent commercial pilot? Well, firstly, congratulations. But are you itching to start looking around, finding your first job? Are you getting bored in your current job and looking to move on to the next? Well, don't do anything until you listen to this episode. I'm going to discuss everything you need to do from preparing a resume, what jobs to apply for, and how to get your resume in front of your future employer. All these questions and more coming up, so strap in and let's get into it. G'day everyone, welcome to episode 6 of Flight Training Australia, the podcast about flight training in Australia and Australian regulations. I'm your host Trent Robinson, thank you for joining me. For those who don't know me, I'm a head of operations of a flight school, flight examiner and flight instructor based out of Darwin up here in the Northern Territory. And thank you for tuning in. It's been fantastic to get some of your feedback and messages uh, listening to me whilst you're on the ride on lawnmower, flying to your next destination, in the car, or even in the toilet in the morning. Yep, that's been shared too. So thank you for listening. It means a great deal to me. I've been receiving resumes now for some 14 odd years and man oh man have I seen some absolute rippers and I don't mean good. It honestly astounds me that people are prepared to pay eighty dollars to $150,000 plus to get qualified, get their training, go through the stress of theory exams, become a commercial pilot or an instructor, yet not spend a few minutes to invest in their job application. It makes no sense at all. Why have the best product and not try and sell it? It doesn't work in business and it sure as heck doesn't work in aviation this way as well. I've knocked back probably some really, really good pilots in my time, all because of a terrible application. So to help me in this episode... I've uh, reached out and consulted several head of operations, uh, head of flight operations, head of training, human resource uh, management personnel to find out what they love and hate to see in applications, what their uh, pet hates are, and how to go about getting your application in the right hands. So whether it's your first job, your second job, doesn't matter, listen in and uh, let's run through the whole process. So first of all, where to find jobs? There's essentially two types of jobs uh, for pilots. They're either advertised and there's those that aren't advertised. What's the difference? Some employers just don't need to advertise. Usually if they're an entry-level kind of job, uh, they're going to get a steady flow of applications coming through from commercial graduates or recently qualified instructors. Once they go through those applications, they can usually pick who they're interested in and when an employment opportunity comes up, they'll get in touch, organise interviews and go from there. So you really just need to get your name in the pile for that one. If they're after a more qualified applicant or certain job criteria, that's generally where they're going to advertise. And they're typically not a first job kind of employer. Not always, but most of the time. If they are advertising, it's probably because what they have in their pile isn't meeting the criteria. Pilot jobs can be found on sites like seek.com, not as often, but 
most regular positions are found on the Australian Federation of Air Pilots websites or AFAP, afap.org.au, as well as posted or reposted on individual company pages and pilot forum pages on Facebook and the like. One of the most important things to do before anything else is actually read the job advertisement. I've had instructors applying to charter companies, charter pilots and flying applying to instructor schools. This is just one sure way to waste your time and hours and it won't go anywhere. Are you qualified for the position? If you don't meet the minimum requirements in the job ad, if they're listed, I would generally not apply. If you don't meet the minimum requirements in the job ad that's listed, but you feel that maybe they're just some ridiculous minimums, then that's up to you. Bear in mind, sometimes the minimums that are set are looking for a certain uh, pilot with a qualification to meet contract requirements. Often it's not the employer that's setting these ridiculous totals, but the contract that they hold, especially in mining and the like. They have all sorts of ideas of what means or what makes a safe pilot and a safe operation. Best thing to do is if you're worried or you want to know more about it, contact the advertiser and just question the hours and see if there is any flexibility. The worst thing that can happen is you won't get a response. Okay, so you found the job that you want to go for. How long should your resume be? If this is a first job, one to two pages max. Okay, the fact is you don't have a lot of aviation experience other than the training that you've got. Okay, so there's not much else to put on there. We want to see your name. Date of birth is optional, but it's nice. Your location, if you're not applying locally, and right at the top, the licenses you hold, the ratings, include the statement not current if it isn't, because again, there's no point applying to an instrument rating job, and then you go, oh yeah, but I just have to get my instrument rating current first. Okay, there's no getting around it. It's either current or it isn't. So if you're going for a job, get it current or state that it isn't. All right, and then your hours. That's the first thing we want to know. When we pull out a resume, we want to just look at the sheet and check that, yes, they have a commercial license, an instructor rating, an instrument rating, a night rating, 210 experience, 206, 172, twin, whatever it is. I shouldn't have to go looking for it. Do you have what we want? Yes, great, short list or doesn't suit the position. A lot of pilots, uh, chief pilots I spoke to, is not really interested in your photo at the top of the resume either. They prefer not to have it there. This is entirely up to you, but you might find it could actually go against you. So your call on that one. Once you've got your aviation credentials listed at the top, you can add work experience, but as applicable to the job. We're not interested in every single job you've had school merit certificates or your participation award in your primary school 100 meter relay. No offense, but it doesn't mean anything to us. If you have office skills, if you've done various management things or anything, bus licenses or anything that might value add to the job in the location that it is, then by all means, put it down. But keep it brief. I don't need to know everything that you did in your job at McDonald's. References after that, their name, 
their title, and a contact number. And that is essentially all you need. Don't lie. There is no point lying. It will be found out and it will tarnish your reputation. And remember, falsifying hours in your logbook is a federal offence. It is a legal document, so do not do it. If you don't have the hours that are required, go and get them. Don't apply with three, thinking you're going to get the five. Things happen. Let's just take COVID, for example. Get the requirements, meet the minimum requirements, then get your application in. It's also the same as I have had applications. If you give me an instructor rating, I'll work for you. It just doesn't happen like that, guys. There's no sense of entitlement. You need to have the qualification to go and get the job. And that's the same as when you're actually already employed. If you want to fly twins and you want to fly IFR, don't expect your employer to pay for it for you either. We've all been there. We all want to move on as fast as we can, but don't think that just because you're there and doing a good job that you're entitled to something more. You're employed, you're paid for the work you do, and if you happen to get anything extra out of it, then be grateful. You've got a good employer and keep working hard for them. Spell check. If you submit an application with poor grammar, spelling errors, what does it say about your attention to detail? It's a really good way just to irritate us and we just generally don't look at it carefully, bypass it or put it in the bin. We've even had people full of spelling errors, grammatical errors, copy-paste problems, and in their skills and assets, they've put attention to detail. Well, clearly not. Make sure you go through it, get someone else to read it. Again, you spent all this time and money investing in yourself to get you this far. Why wouldn't you do the last little bit? It makes no sense. Cover letters, 50-50. Unless it specifically asks for one, then it's not required. A little short intro in the email uh, that you attach it to, if you're submitting by email, is enough. However, when you are writing in your email, again, write about you, be realistic. Don't put every keyword and soundbite you can come up with. All the usual things are saying, I'm a conscientious worker, I do this, I do that. It's like I could just about put 20 resumes in front of me and it's like everybody used the same master copy. Tell us about you if you're going to write something and make sure it's genuine because, again, when we see you and when we do your interview, it will be fairly obvious. There's no point trying to just bypass and get through that first step if you're not going to be able to back it up. Who do you write your email to? Addressing your email. Dear sir, madam. Dear HR. To whom it may concern. Hi. Straight in the bin. If you can't take the time to find out who the appropriate person is to address your letter to, it speaks volume again about your attention to detail. I've had emails that have been BCC'd or CC'd in bulk to just about every operator in Australia, all in the one email, at the same time telling them how much they'd love to work for my company and the 27 others listed in the email. They couldn't even get that bit right. Straight in the bin. Could have been a brilliant pilot. We'll never know. 
If you can't figure out from the website who do you need to address it to, then just give them a call and just say, hi, I'd like to submit my resume in response to the advertisement. Who can I send it to, please? And they'll most happily give you the details. Make sure you know who you're talking to. Are you talking to the chief pilot? Are you talking to HR? The end of the day, if it goes to HR, it's going to go through to everybody once they shortlist it. But find out who to write it to. Don't send it to a generic person. As I said, don't bulk email everybody. One email address, one email, one attachment. Write to the person you're talking to. Don't just copy paste. Again, I've had emails sent to me with dear another operator. Really bad start. Good way to just go, sorry, see you later. Because again, it's speaking volumes about your attention to detail and your level of professionalism. I often get asked, how often should I update my resume once it's been submitted? Getting a couple of hours since your last update isn't really worth telling us about. We only want to know about significant changes, new ratings, new endorsements. If you fell short or you got some feedback on something and you've gone away and got that experience, then yeah, let us know. Once a month, maybe, if it's a relevant detail. But again, if you just keep slamming in your resume all the time, it could be a turnoff. So just be careful. All right, so I've talked about emailing. How else can we submit our resume or job application? So sure, email online through the form on the website if that's what the job ad asks for. If it's not an advertised position, in-person is always best as it shows you're in the local area and you're making an effort. However, can I please see the head of operations or the chief pilot? Generally speaking, we would love to see you, love to say hi. It puts a face and a name to the piece of paper. However, sometimes, even though we might be in the building, it's just not appropriate or we don't have the time. And what I mean by that is we have heaps of things to do. If we keep seeing every person that walks in, and trust me, I love it, but I get nothing else done. It could take the whole day, just from walk-ins of job applications, uh, student inquiries, charter inquiries, everything else that just turns up on the day unannounced. It makes it really, really hard. So don't be offended if they don't want to see you or can't make the time to see you. At the end of the day, if your resume speaks volumes and resonates with us, you'll get shortlisted and you'll get the chance for an interview and a chance to sell yourself then. So let's get to that. The response. Sometimes gone by and you finally got a phone call or an email saying, congratulations, you've been shortlisted. So congratulations, that is awesome. Remember, it's going to be unlikely you might get the first job you apply for. Don't take rejection personally. This is a build-up process. Every interview you do is experience. With COVID at the moment, you might find it's a phone interview or a Zoom interview, even if it is in the local area. If there aren't restrictions, then great. You can probably expect a personal interview, but you need to be in town for that. One thing I didn't mention is some people do a little bit of a resume drop road trip. So they'll get into town, have a look around, drop off their resumes, move on to the next one. If you're going to do that, and there's nothing wrong with it, but be prepared to hightail it back if you do get a response. The response could come days later, could come weeks later. 
it's a bit of a gamble. But hopefully you get the interview in town. Before you go, hopefully you've already researched the company, like I said earlier. But by the time you get here, you can bet they are going to ask you questions about what you know about our company. It's usually all on the website. You don't have to look far. You can ask friends. You can observe their operations. What aircraft do they operate? Where do they travel to? If you haven't done that, don't bother going. You're wasting your time. Dress smartly and sell yourself. Nice, smart shirt and pants, skirt, dress, pilot uniform, white shirt, pants. Don't worry about epaulets and everything. Just look smart and presentable. Have some questions prepared. Ask about the company, what the progression's like in the company, anything else you're interested in, just about their day-to-day operations. Again, there's no point applying for a job that you're going to hate. So make sure that you resonate with the company as well. This goes both ways. Is it okay to ask about the pay? It's a tricky one and really will depend on the employer but you can generally expect to be paid the award wage. What's that? Well, you can find it on the AFAP website. Again, AFAP, A-F-A-P.org.au, and you'll see the pilot award there. It's a bit wordy. takes a little bit of uh, time to figure out the formulas to see what you're going to get, but it's all there. And again, ask around. You'll get a pretty good idea of who's paying what. Once you've done the interview, thank them for their time, and then it's really just fingers crossed. You've done your best. If it didn't go so well, take notes. What did I do well? What didn't go so well? And make sure you practice and address it for future. If you've never done a job interview, then practice with your family, practice with your friends. You can even get some professional training and do a job interview, resume writing uh, skills courses. Like I said, you spent all this money to get the qualification. Why not just that little bit more to make sure you stand out from the crowd. Because remember, it's not just you applying. Some jobs can get some 200 applications. How are you going to make yours stand out from the rest? All right, guys, so there's my top tips on applying for a job in Australia. Keep your resume simple. Keep it relevant and accurate. Provide the information that's been asked for. Don't overinflate anything else. And if you haven't got the qualifications you need, Go and get them. Good luck and let me know how you go. That's it for today's episode. Again, I love hearing your feedback. Uh, I've been getting so many messages from everyone all over the place. Um, It's just been awesome. So please keep them coming. Really appreciate the feedback. It means the world to me. You can email me at info at trentrobinsonaviation or oneword.com.au put podcasts in the subject line and send me your questions. I'll uh, do my best to answer it in a future episode. Or of course, Facebook or Instagram, Trent underscore Robinson underscore aviation. You'll be able to see everything I get up to every day, flight tests, just training, uh, theory subjects, podcasts, updates, and uh, just good fun aviation. Just had the Singapore Air Force flying, my photos from that. So you have aviation, get on board and have a look. All right, that's it for 2021. I'm going on a bit of a break, have some time off, which I desperately need, but I will be planning next year. We have 
all sorts of awesome episodes coming up. We're going to be looking at everything to do with ATPL courses and flight tests. We're going to be looking at RPL, PPL and CPL flight test theory, delving more into instrument flying. We've got a whole heap of questions on that from you guys. Um, Flight review preparation, part 91. I'm just letting things settle down a little bit and I'll go through all the part 91 changes for you as well. All that, heaps more coming up. It's going to be a big year. Until then, Merry Christmas, stay safe, may see you before the new year, but until then, please, guys, and remember the golden rule, aviate, navigate, communicate. Cheers, guys. Cheers.